This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. There's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to the episode of Six Made Up Monday where I give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. And once again, I'm going to give you a recap of what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. So here we go. Tip number one. It's an exercise tip. It has to do with what you should be doing in between your repetitions of sprints. So if you're in a sprint session, you shouldn't be uh, sprinting, running back to the line, sprinting again. There's got to be some time between sprint one and sprint two, especially if top end speed is your goal. Right? You cannot be fatigued. You cannot be tired when you start your sprint. What should you do while you're waiting for your next sprint? Well, if you're waiting two to three minutes, three to four minutes, whatever that frequency, that, that time frame is, the easiest thing is to stand there and shake your legs out, right? Don't just stand completely still. The other thing that I would recommend, if it's not taxing, are prehab movements. If you have a pain point, if something's bothering you, sneak in some prehab so that it keeps you moving in between sets. Right now, what I am doing is I am using the DNS movements and the, uh, McKinsey back extensions, as, as per Dr. Rob, the things that have helped me, I'm doing those in between my sets of sprints. Not only is it keeping me moving, but hopefully it's eliminating some of the pain that I have or discomfort that I have so that on the next sprint, I'm going to be faster than I was the last time. Okay, tip number two, something I am experimenting with, also has to do with sprinting. And I got this concept from some research I was doing on stealing a base. And the research was, what's the best way... What's the fastest way to get from first to second base when you're stealing a base? And it was the debate was over a crossover step, a drop step, and then it turned out the unlikely candidate, the unlikely candidate for the fastest way to get from first base to second base was to actually stand with your back to second base, which sounds completely and totally bananas. So I am experimenting with that on a 10-yard get. So imagine there's two cones 10 yards apart. We have our two sensors with the free lap. I am now experimenting with starting with my back to the centers, my, the sensors. And then I am dropping, I'm crossing over, I'm dropping down, and I can feel it. Bang! You hit the ground. Your body's already in that downward angle, and you are running downhill to the 10. Downhill to the 10. And if anybody knows anything about sprinting, if you are running a 40-yard dash, that first 10 yards, you really want to start and run downhill to that first 10 yards and then gradually come upright where you're not completely and totally upright until you get to the 20 yard mark so again i think falling over is getting you downhill to that 10 and i experimented with it last week and i have to say that my time when i did the turn versus my time when i was in my split and rip stamps was actually 0.05 seconds faster now to, to the layperson that doesn't sound like a lot of time but it's only a 10-yard get, right? And you're trying to steal every second you can you can get in that 10-yard get. So give it a shot, experiment, see what you think. All right, tip number three, a quote that I am thinking about. It is, most people 
are willing to give up what they want most for what they want right now. I'll say that one again. Most people are willing to give up what they want most for what they want right now. Think about it. Uh, I want to have a, 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 a six-pack. That's, that's, that's what I want most. But right now, I want that cheesecake. Okay? <laughs> uh, I want to bench press uh, 450 pounds. But right now, I want to roll over and stay in bed and not get to the gym. Okay. Uh, I want to be a millionaire. But right now, I want to go out to the club or, or watch mindless TV or scroll on Instagram versus work on my business. So again, most people are willing to give up what they want most for what they want right now. Ah, I want to win the uh, challenge t- ch- ch- championship belt. But uh, maybe this weekend, I want to go away and miss, the, miss training. Right? Think about what you want most and what you want right now. And think about what you're doing right now. Is it getting in the way? Or is it helping what you want to do most? Tip number four, something I am watching that's moving me. It is, once again, Chimp Empire. So I talked about it last week. I'll talk about it again this week. The synergies between what, what goes on in that show and what goes on at, what goes on in advanced training are mind-boggling. And I, I wrapped up the season yesterday. I'm sad that it's over. I wish it was like a, 100 episodes. I'd keep watching it and watching it and watching it. But the thing I have to say is the end of episode three, it was so good. It was so intense that I, I almost had to shut it off. Like it was, I, I was like, I was sitting on the edge of my seat. It had me more on edge than any crazy horror movie I've ever watched, or any intense documentary or drama I've ever, show I've ever watched, or any action movie I've ever watched. Sick stuff. It, I, I highly recommend you watch it if you haven't watched it. We have a couple of guys in our group that are only on to episode one. You ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till you get to episode three and four. Okay, tip number five. Tip number five. It's a productivity tip. And this, once again, goes back to that tough question that Joe Marechko asked me was, you always say, he said, Coach, you always say that you should learn from the bad stuff. But when the bad stuff happens, in that moment, are you thinking, wow, this is a good learning opportunity, or are you like, ugh, this is the worst? So I just recently had another incident where something bad was happening, and I had to take a step back and say, I'm going to make the best of the situation. Once again, I wish I was emotionally mature enough that the instant it happened that I would think that way, but I'm getting better. This one took me maybe a a minute. I wish it would take me no time. It didn't take me a week or a month or a year. It took me a minute, but here's what happened. I recorded the episode with Dr. Rob last week, and we we use new technology now. So before, in the past, I, I was using an app to record the episodes, and what was happening was when I would speak, the timing of my speaking would not sync up with the timing of the speaking of the person on the audience uh, who I was, pot- was working with. So when I was talking to my guest, when we finished the recording, it would sound as if I was talking over them because if the timings would not sync. The recording of our voices would not sync properly. So it would sound like I would ask them a question. They would answer it. And before they were done, I was already answering my asking the next question, which was not true at all. And I said last week, when I was listening to my old episode with Dr. Rob, I almost, I didn't almost, I stopped at a green light because I was so upset with the way that it sounded. So I'm listening to that old podcast last week in preparation for the new podcast. I talk about how bad the audio was on the old podcast, and, as the advanced training gods would have it, the audio gets screwed up again. But this time, we had a, I had a new way of doing it. I was doing it over Zoom. It had worked before on Zoom repeatedly. I don't know what happened. I did many podcasts with guests since my first interview with him. I, I don't know why. Actually, now I do know why. But I didn't realize that it even had happened as I was interviewing Dr. Rob. At one point, he said, can you repeat the question because I can't hear you. And I was like, oh, no, there's something bad going on here. So 
it turns out that his quality of the voice was great. My quality was awful. So good. The good, the good part is, if I'm going to go with the Jocko Willink's good, the good part is the talent, the talent part, he's the talent, not me, that was saved. Then I was like, ugh, I have to go out and either redo this entire podcast again, which I don't want to do. He's a busy guy. I'm a busy guy, and we lose the flow of the conversation. Or I can now become an expert in editing. So here is the productivity tip. Something bad happened, but I took it. Again, it, didn't, it wasn't instantaneous, but it probably took me about a minute to take a deep breath and say, I'm going to make the best of this thing. I took it as an opportunity to become, I wouldn't say an expert. I'm no Steve Armato, but I did pretty good at editing out most of the garbage, uh, most of the garbage questions I was asking. When I say garbage, I mean the quality of the audio. So I edited that out, and in the process of editing that, editing that out, the unintended positive consequence was that I listened to the podcast so many times that I learned so much more than I ever, ever would have had I just recorded it, pressed the publish button, and left. Because now I'm listening to it. I'm listening to Dr. Rob. I'm listening to it again. I'm listening to Dr. Rob. Now I'm really absorbing this thing because I've listened to it for like two and a half hours. You know, it's a 40-minute podcast for two and a half hours trying to edit it out. So there was a massive positive to be gained from this negative. In addition, why, I figured out why this happened. So I have this uh, Windows 11, and it needs nonstop computer updates if you have Windows 11. Sorry, Windows 11 people that, that made this. But you have to keep checking it. So a lot of times it needs updates, and a lot of times those updates impact the quality of your audio. I've been on Zoom calls before where I couldn't hear or I, I couldn't be heard, and all of those times it had to do with updates that need to be made. Now this Windows 11, it's, it's like once, at least once a week. This week, it happened to be like twice a week. So the learning lesson for me, the big one was, if I have another podcast, before I get on that line, I must, must, must check for updates before I get into uh, the, the podcast. So I learned a lot, but also through that, Steve Armato, our guy, Lark Media, he's going to help me out with the next one. So we have another interview coming up soon with Joe Marechko for Prime Performance. He's starting a new business. We're going to help promote it, help get it out there. I want to learn from him as well. So Armado is going to help me with that. So I'm excited for that. Okay, tip number six. Tip number six, the craziest thing I saw all week. And this is just like typical, typical Staten Island, typical insanity. I am walking my dog, my five-pound Morky, down Charrots Road, as I do every day, twice a day. And uh, I'm trying to cross the street with Chucky. And this is another little tip within a tip. If there is sun to the back, to your back, if there's sun to your back, you have to assume that people driving at you can't see you. I'll say that one again, especially if you're walking a five-pound dog that people probably can't see no matter what. If there's sun to your back, you have to assume that people driving towards you can't see you. That's something I always do. Now, this has nothing to do with the story because the sun was not at a position where it was setting or rising. But it is something that is important to me as I'm walking because I'm like, they're going to clip me or they're going to kill my dog or both. So I'm always super hypersensitive about people being able to see me when I cross the street. Having said that, that part does link to the story. So I'm trying to cross the street. I'm waiting for there to be absolutely no cars. And this white van pulls up. Now look, this is a long road. It's Sharris Road. It's a long road. I don't know how long it is. I don't know. It's long. And there's plenty of places for people to pull over. I say that 100% of the time on, my, on that block, every time I pull out or walk my dog, there is someone making an illegal U-turn or parked in a ridiculous spot. 
It's 100% of the time. It never, ever, ever fails. I'll bet anyone, any money, any time, I'll pull out of my block, there is someone making some sort of an illegal U-turn or when I'm walking my dog down the block. Anyway, so here we go. Trying to cross Chucky across the street. I see a white van come up. Now it's like creeping up to the sidewalk where I am. And I'm like, this is weird. And it's like pulling up. I would almost think if I wasn't a, a... the way I looked, that I was going to be abducted, right? Like, I'm like, if I <laughs> if I didn't look the way I look, well, maybe they thought I w- they could take me because of the dog, but I'm like, I'm going to be abducted right now. So this person pulls up. They get, like, within an inch of me, like one inch of me, and I see in the, it's a lady, and she's got a white van, and it's loaded with garbage, like literally with black garbage bags and crap. And she sits there. She leans over into the seat next to her. I'm like, what's this lady grabbing? Right, what is she grabbing? And uh, she grabs pastries from Aunt Butchie's. Yes, and she starts eating pastries from Aunt Butchie's. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So now I could see. I could see that the road is clear. I got to get out of there. I go across the street, and I look back, and she makes a U-turn. So <laughs> I don't know what happened. I guess she thought it would be a perfect opportunity to stop one centimeter from a guy trying to cross the street with his dog on a place where she could have parked, I don't know, anywhere else, eat a snack, then make a U-turn. Again, there was plenty of other places to make a U- illegal U-turn and pull away. So, strangest thing I saw all week. But I am always hyper aware of everything that's going on because I don't trust anybody. And I got little Chucky with me. I don't want him to get run over by a car. So, we're always looking, Chucky. We're always looking. Okay, that wraps us up this week's 6-Minute Monday. Now we're going to get into what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. So, gotta got to talk about some statistics Right? We talk about some statistics. The first thing is we have two teams. We have the Flayed Men and we have Bear Island. And right now, their records. So this is their records against themselves. Bear Island has a record of seven and nine. Flayed Men has a record of nine and seven. Now if you are were a data and analytics person, you'd say, Ah, you know what? There's pretty good parity between those teams. If one of them let's say that Bear Island won one more game against Flayed Man, because there's only two teams, they'd both be 8-8, eight and eight, and it's pretty even, right? You'd say that it, that was the case. But if you're a true data and analytics person, you start to dig within the details, and you start to look at subgroups and subsections and see if maybe there's a trend or a pattern going on. Well, when this thing started out, Bear Island, who is currently 7-9, they won three of the first four matches. And it looked like, in the beginning, that the Flayed Man had no shot. And, in fact, that is why the Flayed Man took the name the Flayed Man. They didn't have a name. Bear Island had a name. Flayed Man had no name. They kept losing, and they named themselves the Flayed Man. But now here we are. The Flayed Man is 9-7. and seven. They have a winning record. And they've won six out of the last seven events. That's right. Six out of the last seven events. So this is a lesson within a lesson. Maybe it should have been part of Six Minute Monday. I don't know. But understand that if you just look at the data as a whole, it's almost meaningless until you get into that subset. And this is why, as a data and analytics person, as a, I wouldn't call myself a mathematician, maybe I am, maybe more of a scientist, but I don't like when people always say, you need more data. Now, data, like statisticians always say, I need more data, I need more data, I need more data. If we don't have enough data, it's not true. And to an extent, I believe that that is true. But also, to an extent, I feel like if you have too much data, and you don't do your due diligence, you lose information. You lose it. So right now, the information that we have, is that the Flayed Man has won six out of the last seven. And the information that I have is that repeatedly Bear Island is saying, I am doing things to favor the Flayed Man. 
especially when Bear Island is coming to sessions with more men than the Flayed Men, and they say, you are putting things in that is not giving us an advantage for having our guys actually show up to the workout. So, here we go. I decide that I, being a fair and just, as, uh, what does Yusuke call me, the czar of advanced training, I think I look more of like a Vince McMahon type, that's pretty much what my role is now at this point, is to set up these competitions and watch these guys battle it out. Anyway, what I decided to do was... I thought, you know what, I'm going to see if we can give Bear Island a little bit of an advantage this week. We're going to put in a challenge that, if strategically done right, they would win if more of their guys show up. And here was the challenge. It was called, it was named after the Punishment of Sisyphus. I think that's how it's pronounced. So what is the Punishment of Sisyphus? Well, Sisyphus was this guy that was doomed to uh, push this rock up a hill, this giant boulder up a hill, and every time it got to the top, it kept rolling back down at him, and he had to do this for eternity. So, I took that concept, also took it something similar that was done in the uh, Physical 100, and said, I'm going to make our own version of Advanced Training's Punishment of Sisyphus. So here's how it worked. Both teams were going to go at the same exact time. They were going to start with one guy with his feet on the sliders, and they were going to have to do a slider 30 yards, and they had to do it within 20 seconds. If you do it within 20 seconds, you are able to continue in the challenge. So, these two guys would go, whoosh, they slider, if they make it in 20 seconds, they make it 30 yards in 20 seconds, they can continue on to the next part of the challenge. At the 30 second mark, as soon as that 30 second mark hit, regardless if the people before them uh, made it or not, the ne- another group of people would go simultaneously, again, one from each team. And we would continue to do this over and over and over again until one of the teams had nobody left. So I'll repeat that again because it is a little bit confusing. You have two people on a slider. They're going to go 30 yards. They have to get there in 20 seconds. At the thir- at the 30-second mark, every 30 seconds on the 30-second, another group of people would have to go. So what this entails you is for if you as an individual, you're going to go. Hopefully you get there in under 20 seconds. You're going to get up and you're going to pick up your sliders and you're going to bring them back to the front of that line. While you are bringing them back to the front of the line, another 30 seconds has started and a new group of people have gone. So you basically have 30 seconds from the time that you're done to get your sliders back to the front for the next group of people to go. So we're going to keep going over and over and over again until, again, there's one team with nobody left. So the thought in my mind, at least how I was thinking about this, is that this could also have been called a chess challenge. Because in my mind, you have your, your queen, uh, your king. Those are the people that you want to protect in this challenge. And to me, those are the people who are the best at sliders. And you want those people to last as long in this challenge as possible. And then you have your pawns and your horses and your bishops and your, I don't know what they're all called, rooks, right? Those are the people whose job it is is to protect that king and that queen. And why am I saying it like this? Because those people, they're probably not going to win this challenge. There's probably only so many times that they're going to be able to go at sliders in under 20 seconds before they get kicked out. But their job is to go just enough to keep those people fresh and to go just enough times that while they're going and keeping their own king and queen fresh, the other team is wearing themselves out. So if you're seeing the point of the punishment of Scipius here, it's like you're just going to keep going and going and going. There's no reward at the end of this thing. And as more of your people get knocked out, the less rest you're going to have. So if you have eight people, well, maybe seven people can go before you go again. 
But then if you have six people, that's 30 less seconds. Five people, that's 30 less. Every time someone gets locked out, that's 30 less seconds of a break that you're going to have on this challenge. So there was strategy in my mind. At least, step number one, hopefully you get as many people in your team there as possible. Step number two is how do you shield your king and your queen so that they get the largest amount of breaks as possible and they don't have to go over and over again. So both teams, I think, they actually did a pretty good job of thinking that through. They did. But here's the twist. For one of the first and maybe the only time ever, the second time maybe, it was the second time, the Flayed Men show up with more people than Bear Island. So it's like once again, Joe Marechko, when, the, when he needs to, he digs deep because I did tell Moreshko and Baraji the challenge before it happened. He makes sure his team comes, he gets enough people, and bang! Flayed men, they win again. And it started off rough for the flayed men. So the flayed men, they, they have the two of the newest guys in advanced training. They're new guys, they're learning, they, they haven't been doing this, everybody else is a veteran here. And those, both, those guys both get knocked out in their first turn. So Maggio, brand new, great shape, he gets knocked out. Colombo, brand new, ex-high school football player, the guy's training for the FDNY, he gets knocked out. You know, anything can happen. Maggio lost a slider, which, which can happen. That was another variable that I had put in my mind of this thing, is anything can happen. You lose a slider, no matter how good you are, it's going to be really hard to pick that thing back up. Granted, Joe Sarno was able to do it on one leg and hold the slider in his hand, similar to what Galley did last week. Anyway, the point is, the first round, those two guys got knocked out. So I thought it was going to be really, really interesting. But what happened was uh, a couple of things that hurt Bear Island. Right out of the gate, Billy Blanco, uh, I don't know. He he went his 30 yards, and I said, I didn't say it that well. I just said, you guys are good. Because I didn't want to be start screaming, you're good. And the group down at the other end would hear me say, go. So I was like, you guys are good. And he just kept going and going and going past the start mark. Sorry, past the end mark. So he might have did like a 40-yard slider instead of a 30-yard slider. When, when This is critical now because you're going to keep going over and over again. Every little inch counts. You don't want to waste energy, any energy. So that was one thing. Uh, ironically, as I was trying not to say go, I think guys from his team were screaming to him that he was good. I'm sorry, I was, I was trying not to say good. They were telling him he was good. And then Shalasi almost took off early because he heard them screaming good. So me saying it lowly had almost caused the same problem that I was trying to uh, prevent in the first place. Anyway, so that was one of the things that was interesting. Uh, and then it, it started to happen, though. So now Blanco's a little fatigued. I think he was the first guy out for Bear Island. So now, again, when a guy goes down, that's 30 seconds out of your rest. So Blanco goes down. I think uh, Derrida goes down. Armado goes down. It's like got one by one, they start going down. But now the flayed men, they're not going down. And I think the flayed men, they were smart. They had, like Joe Sarno was pr- doing pretty good and Carpenter was a little tired. Sarno jumped in for him. I got this. Don't worry. And I think I started to see the flayed men get real tired. Like Carp looked like he didn't have another one left in him. And Weintraub looked like he didn't have enough left in him. But, but, Jimmy Yuski, his back's been bothering him. He... He's like, I can't. He stops midway. Like, can't do it. I'm done. So now it's just Galley. And there's no shot at Tom Galley. As great as Galley is, is going to keep going over and over and over again. Because now, if you're a lone person, you got to finish it in 20 seconds, get up and sprint back to the start line in 10 seconds. Because every 30 seconds we go. So, needless to say, Baraji loses, Yuski loses, and then the last guy's Galley. And then he's just like, forget it. His shoulders bother him a little bit. And he's like, that's it. I'm done. He cut. He just finishes it up, and that's it. Once again. The Flayed Man went. So the Flayed Man only had two guys of their whole group not make it. Two brand new guys, new rookies, 
Uh, they're like in their second. One guy's in his second session. One guy's in his third section session. So, but everybody else, flayed men, continue throughout the rest of this event. They're good. They win. They get yet another win. And all six of the guys that showed up for Bear Island, each one of them tapped out or could not finish. So now we get to the head-to-head challenge. And the head-to-head challenge, there was only as you're. I'm going to say this. I keep saying it over and over again, but there might be some listeners here. When the winning team wins, what they do is they select two losers from the losing team to go head-to-head and compete head-to-head. But Bear Island has now lost so many times that there was only one person, Billy Blanco, who had eligibility to go into this head-to-head competition because everybody else has already lost twice. When you lose twice, you are eliminated from more head-to-head competitions. So I say to the Flayed Man, as I did last year with the Junkyard Dogs when they had beaten so many teams that there was no one left, I said, look, there's only Billy Blanco. There's no one else he can go against on Bear Island. So if you want, you are allowed to have someone from your own team battle this guy. The risk is that if you lose, you'll get a loss. So they pick Joe Shalacy to go against Billy Blanco. And what is the challenge? It's going to be a 15-yard high-handled prowler push. Get up, sprint to a slider, and then do a 15-yard slider. And it was scorched earth. It was legitimately a scorched earth day. These guys had already done the punishment of Scipius challenge, so their arms are tired from the from the sliders. And now this prowler is next to impossible to move. So anyway, we go. Uh, Blanco goes first. He gets an 18.4 seconds, and he actually looked like he was reborn. As tired as he was in the, the tag team challenge, he looked like he was reborn, shot out of the cannon, he goes. But he goes against Joe Shalacy, who absolutely and totally destroys it and gets it done in 17.5 seconds. So now Shalacy, he gets his tag team points. That's three. He gets his individual win. Now that's six points he has on the day. Then I say, all right, if you guys want... You have 30 seconds to make a decision, and this is a one-time offer. But two more people from the Flayed Man, because, again, we're, tr- we're trying to wrap this up. We're trying to get everybody eliminated. The playoffs are coming soon. We're trying to get all these head-to-head matches out. Two more guys from the Flayed Man. You guys can challenge each other to a competition. You don't have to if you don't want to. It's not mandatory, but you can if you want. So Joe Marechko says, I'll go against Shalacy. He doesn't have money in the bank, so Chalacy does not have to agree to this. And I'm saying money in the bank because last week Joe Marechko had money in the bank. But he basically pulls the same stunt, right? Why not do the same stunt over again? He got Galley out last week. Guy's fatigued after a head-to-head challenge. Why not pull the same exact stunt all over again? So Chalacy, he's like, I'll do it. I thought he was crazy. Well, why would he do it? Marechko's fresh. Marechko was the alpha male last week. He showed his alpha maleness by completely and totally dominating the head-to-head challenge. Shalacy is like, I'll go. So Marechko, they, they, set, they set the drill back up. Marechko goes, goes first, and he gets it in the same exact time that Shalacy got it against Blanco. And I'm like, okay, it's over. Shalacy, his time's not going to get better because he's tired. The guy's shot. He's completely, he got to be shot. He just did the challenge by himself, and he already did the punishment of Scipius. But Shalacy goes, and he gets it in 15.8 seconds. Almost two seconds better than his first time. Now, I attacked on a second because he knocked over the end cone, but whatever. Guy got it in 15.8 seconds. So Shalacy, on the day, got nine points. He gets the tag team win. He gets the head-to-head win against Blanco, and then he gets the head-to-head win against Marechko. So he went, uh, now he's the actual number one seed. He has 40 points. He was nine points in one day. He's the number one seed. He's already clinched a playoff berth. 
he's getting extremely close, if not already there, of clinching a first-round bye in the playoffs. So this week's Purple Heart or Alpha Male award goes to Joe Shalasi. So it's, it's getting interesting, people. There's only three weeks left of the season before we get to the playoffs. We have only two people that have been officially eliminated. The one thing I will say, you're hearing it right, right now. If Rob Wildland gets a win, any sort of a win or any sort of a point, Sean Mulligan is eliminated. And Sean Mulligan also has to win out. He has to have three consecutive wins, and Wildland has to get nothing. That's the only thing I know right now, based on the standings, based on the statistics. Uh, I can't predict anything else. I don't know who's going to show up to the next challenge. I don't know who's going to win the next challenge. I don't know what guys are going to go head-to-head. All I know is that if Rob Wallen gets any sort of a win or any sort of a point and Sean Mulligan does not win out, I should say or, or Sean Mulligan, it's probably an end or here. So Sean Mulligan has to win. Here's the end part. Sean Mulligan has to win three times. If he doesn't, he's out. And he needs Rob Wallen to never show up to advanced training ever again and win. That's what he needs. All right, people. We're getting close. There's three weeks left. It's going to be super interesting. That is it for this week's session, and I will talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by ProPulse Speed Trainers, created by the mad scientist himself, David Weck. Now, in my 20-plus years of evaluating athletes, there was always one thing, one thing that I could look at and tell you if this athlete was going to be sick or if they were going to be an R-coordinated mess. And I could tell you that in about five seconds. And what was it? It was the way their upper bodies moved in sync with their lower bodies. If they were in complete and total sync, I knew the athlete was going to be sick. You've always heard, look at this guy's arm angles. Look at the way the violent arm action, the way this guy runs. Well, those were always the best athletes. Now, what David Weck did is he created these little miniature weights that are about 12 ounces each that you can hold in your hand. And inside of those weights, he has these little beads. And when you run and when, you move, when you're pumping those arms, when those weights are pumping those arms, you can actually hear with those beads if you are on the right rhythm. It's actually sending a signal to your brain to say, yep, I am in pace, I am in rhythm, and it will instantly get your upper body and lower body in sync. If you want to become like Michael Jordan, Randy Morse, LeBron James, Derek Jeter, watch these guys run, watch their sick arm angles, get yours today. Go to shop.weckmethod.com. That's shop, W-E-C-K, that's weckmethod.com. Put in the code WMA270. Again, that's W. MA270. It will get you 10% off of any item that you buy. Go and get yours today.